Matthew chapter 13 and verse number 53. The Bible says, And it came to pass that when Jesus had finished these parables, he departed thence. Verse 54. And when he was come into his own country, he taught them in their synagogue, insomuch that they were astonished and said, Whence hath this man this wisdom and these mighty works? Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not, this, is not his mother called Mary? And his brethren James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? And his sisters, are they not all with us? Whence then hath this man all these things? And they were offended in him. But Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, save in his own country and his own house. And he did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'll bless the reading of thy word. I ask you to bless the offering that was received this morning, both the gift and the giver. Lord, we thank you for Brother Matthew and Miss Hannah. Thank you for the work that they're doing. God, I pray that you'll bless them and bless their family, their ministry. I ask you now, Lord, to give us wisdom. Speak to our hearts this morning. Help us to not say anything that would grieve the Holy Spirit. God, may we see no man save Jesus only. In Christ's name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. I want you to notice with me in verse number 53 that there are several things the Bible highlights as this story begins. It highlights the, a, state, a statement that is very familiar. The Bible says, and it came to pass. You know, that's a statement we find all throughout the Word of God. And within itself, there is a sermon there that God is promising us that what he has said and what he said he would do will one day surely come to pass. If you have any problem believing what God promised about the future, then just look back at what God promised in the past. And you'll notice that God has a perfect record that everything that he ever said would come to pass has, and those that he said will, will surely come to pass. The statement that is familiar. And then I see there's the sermons that are finished. As the Bible said, when Jesus had finished these parables. Now, we're not gonna preach about these different parables today, but you could go back home and read these seven parables of Matthew chapter 13 and each one of them is a message, a sermon within itself and Jesus finishes these parables now and is about to move on in the ministry. We see the Savior in his footsteps as the Bible said that he departed thence. When he got through preaching to this crowd, he moves on to another crowd. I want you to notice that crowd in verse number 54 because it brings us to our thought as we find here in verse Verse 54, throughout the rest of this passage here, the sin of, of familiarity. You see what happens in this text here is that Jesus, the Bible said in verse 54, when he was come into his own country, he goes back to the town where he grew up, where everybody knew him, where everybody knew him from the time that he was born into this world. And the sin that is in this text is the fact that they became too familiar with the Son of God and with the things of God. I want to preach a few minutes this morning uh, on this subject, on the sin of familiarity. Amen? The sin of familiarity. You say, preacher, why? Well, notice in verse number 58. The Bible said he did not many mighty works there. Notice this. Because of their unbelief. Do you know what happens whenever you and I get so familiar with the things of God and the, and the things that the Lord does in our life? It creates unbelief in our life. It brings us to the place 
place where we begin to doubt because we've been around something and been familiar with something for so long. I don't think that familiarity is a sin within itself because uh, I think you'll agree with me that we ought to be familiar with things. Amen? We ought to be familiar with the Bible. Somebody say amen. We ought to be familiar with a place of prayer. We ought to be familiar. But if we're not careful, we can become complacent, we can become callous, and we can even become critical just like the crowd that is in our text this morning. I want you to notice what happened because of this sin of unbelief was created in their life because they became so familiar. They missed out on some important things concerning our Lord. Notice number one this morning that they missed out on his message. The Bible said in verse number 54 that when he was come into his own country, he taught them in their synagogue. Now the Bible says that as he taught them, they were astonished. But a little bit later, you find they were offended, amen? Their amazement went to anger. Why is that? Because of their unbelief. Uh, They missed the message. Uh, They missed what Christ was trying to say to them. They couldn't look past the personality. They couldn't look past the fact that they were familiar with him. We ought to be careful that we don't become so familiar with the Bible, so familiar with the church, uh, so familiar with hearing preaching, so familiar with the man of God uh, that we miss the message that God has for us. You see, you can get offended when you know people very closely. You think about family. As much as you love family, it's easier to be offended at family. You'll tell family, you'll come more near telling family what you think than a stranger because you're familiar with them. And if you're not careful, you can come to church and, and you hear me three times a week and, and, uh, and listen, you, hear, you, you probably know some of my mannerisms uh, and you probably know some of, uh, you get used to that voice and, and things. Uh, and if you're not careful, uh, sometimes God may say, well, uh, tell me to preach something that maybe it rubs you the wrong way. Maybe, it, maybe it's not something you want to hear the way that you want to hear it. Now, you know my faults. Uh, uh, listening uh, uh, week in and week out, you'll hear me say something something that maybe I'll say something in the wrong way. You know, when you preach uh, three times a week or you teach Sunday school every Sunday, uh, the human error, there's going to be error because we're, we're just flesh, aren't we? Amen? And if you're not careful, you'll get so hung up uh, on that one thing uh, that you'll miss what God is trying to say to you. I pray this morning that you'll look past me. If all you see is me this morning, you're gonna go home disappointed. If all you hear is my voice, uh, you'll never be changed. But if you'll get sensitive enough and say, I'm gonna look past the preacher this morning. I'm gonna tune my ear into the voice of God and see what God has to say to me, what God message God has for me. You see, I may preach one sermon, but the Holy Ghost will chop it up in a 100 or 150 or 200 pieces and he'll give every one of us exactly what we need. But don't you miss the message this morning. I've watched people down through the years You'd be preaching and they'd be looking at their watch or they'd pull their phone out. Makes me mad as a devil. Y'all pray for me. I want to take a songbook and throw it at them. Don't pull your phone out while I'm preaching. Somebody say amen. You say, well, it's, it's buzzing. It doesn't matter. Let it buzz on. Amen. If it rings, for heaven's sake, answer it. Amen. Don't let it ring 19 times. Somebody say, give me a witness on that. 
And uh, but just just hit the hit the little red button as my as my grandson says uh, when it comes time to get through talking. He said, "Papa, can I hit the red button?" I said, "Hit it, Amen." Uh, I mean, just hit the red button. Uh, but you know what? Uh, don't be on your cell phone. Uh, don't be on Facebook. Don't be on social media. Hey, listen. Uh, don't be counting the ceiling tiles. Why would anybody want to know how many tiles are up there? But you'd be amazed uh, how the people will get distracted. Uh, uh, something will happen in a church, you know, like somebody will get up and go to the bathroom uh, and people turn around and look like they've never seen anybody go to the bathroom in church, amen? Uh, I mean, it's just easy for us uh, as individuals uh, to let our mind wander in a service. Uh, but what the devil will use uh, is he'll use distraction as a tool, uh, uh, listen, to try to get your mind uh, off the message, amen? Uh, you'll start making a list of everything you got to do this week, of everything that's going on, uh, and you'll feel better because you got that list made, uh, but you missed uh, the list that God had for you uh, in the message. Uh, I'm simply saying this, they had an opportunity, not to, my friend, to hear from the Son of God. Uh, they had an opportunity to hear what Jesus had to say, and they missed the message, amen. I've seen that happen so many times. You would think sometimes people would God would be speaking to someone's heart and you can look at them and you can tell that they're a million miles away. Young person, you better wake up to what you're hearing this morning. You better, you better tune into heaven this morning and hear the message. You say, but preacher, I've heard you preach many times. It doesn't matter. Don't listen to me. What is God wanting to say to you? Because I promise you this morning, God has something to say to every one of us this morning. He's got a word for me. He's got a word for you. You say, how do you know that? Because there's been a lot of times I've been preaching a message uh, and the Holy Ghost is speaking to my own heart while I was preaching about something in the sermon uh, that well, I could take home for myself. Now, if God would do that for me, I know God will do that for you this morning, but don't you miss the message, amen. Not only did they miss his message, but notice in verse number 54, because of unbelief, they missed his ministry. The Bible says, whence hath this man this wisdom and these mighty works? They're more interested in who he is and where it came from than what he did. They're like, hey, I mean, you would have think the works itself would have been something that would have motivated him. But the ministry of Jesus Christ while he was here on earth did absolutely nothing for this crowd. It helps me to understand why there's some people you're gonna preach to. And it doesn't matter how much you preach to them. It doesn't matter what God does in your church or in the all around them, how many people God saves and the great things that happen. They grow up in it and they grow up around it. And listen, it doesn't mean anything to them. It never meant anything to them in the beginning and it's not going to mean anything to them in the end. Hey, this crowd couldn't get past his personality long enough. The works that Jesus did did not even move them. You know, sometimes somebody will get saved in a service and it'll shake some people up and make them do an evaluation and they'll get saved. But there's a lot of times somebody gets saved in a service and I would think, well, you know, hopefully that'll get a hold of so-and-so's heart. Sometimes it does and sometimes it doesn't. You see, there's a danger in becoming so familiar with what happens here that nothing that happens here surprises you anymore. 
that you just think, well, Brother Light is going to get up and testify. He's going, he's going to shout and praise God and he may go across the front and he may go up and down the aisle and he'll, he'll, he'll have a spell for a few moments and, and preacher will shout him on and somebody, the two or three others will shout him on. Brother Jack will stand up and he'll say he's the rose of Sharon, the lily of the valley and, 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 and uh, you'll know what Brother Jack will say that and you'll say, well, I know what he's going to say. I know what he's going to do. The problem with that is this. It's not them doing it. It's the Lord. And when you first got right with God and somebody get them to testify, what you was thinking about was, man, God got on them. God moved them. God got a hold of their heart. You were so sensitive to the Lord that it really wasn't about the people. It really wasn't about what they were doing. Somebody gets saved in a service. Uh, whether you knew them or didn't know them, it, it moved you. It brought tears to your eyes. Uh, it brought joy to your heart. I was in a service one night and a preacher was preaching and when he got through preaching, he just shut his Bible, went over there and sat down behind the, uh, behind the uh, piano there and the song leader started leading the, the invitation. And I'm gonna tell you for the next 45 minutes, nobody's said nothing, but there's probably about 25, 30 people got saved that night. I'm talking about teenagers got saved. Middle-aged people got saved. As a big old man come down the aisle, looked like he was a biker, he got saved. As an 80-something-year-old woman that got saved that night, and a preacher just sat over like this the whole time, never moved one time. You say, what was that? It's the power of God, amen? I'm telling you, God still does today what he did yesterday, and the God that we serve, and the God that we worship, he's still God, amen? I'm telling you in 2021 there's a lot of people falling out there's a lot of people lost their touch there's a lot of people lost their power but heaven's got no shortage of power this morning he'll still save the lost he'll still reclaim the backslid he'll still lift up the fallen he'll still strengthen the weary he'll still encourage the discouraged but don't miss his ministry amen you can be around this so much that it loses its effect. Unbelief, they missed his message, they, lift, they missed his ministry, and then they missed his majesty. They said in verse 55, is not this the carpenter's son? I want to just stop and say, he was more than a carpenter's son, wasn't he? Is not his mother called Mary? Thank God Mary was his mother, but God was his father. They couldn't get past who he was. They, they missed out on the majesty of Jesus Christ. Uh, I'm telling you this morning, if we're not careful, John 3.16 will just become a cliche to us. Uh, we'll be so, I know that verse. Everybody's preached on it. Everybody can quote that verse, but it's still one of the most used texts in all the word of God. Uh, it's still got the power to save uh, and the greatest message that could ever be brought to foreign soul or to a foreign heart would be this. Uh, for God uh, so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life and you ought to thank the good God of heaven and I ought to thank the good God of heaven for every time those words has ever fallen on my ears that I've been blessed and you've been blessed we've been privileged to hear John 3 16 one more time I'm telling you could you imagine had you lived your life and never heard that verse I'm telling you listen my life has been changed because of John 3.16. I do not want to miss the majesty of the Son of God. He's in the middle of that verse. He's in the middle of every verse. He is the Savior of this world. Amen. Don't lose sight of him. 
My Lord, there's some people, all they, they come to church for every other reason but Jesus. You say, well, preacher, aren't you glad they come to church? I am, but I sure wish they'd get their eyes on him. I tell you this morning, nobody cares what I look like. Amen. You say, well, I got a brand new suit. We don't care. Somebody say, man, I'm glad you got one. Amen. You say, well, I got these brand new shoes. Well, praise God. I'm glad you got a brand new pair of shoes. But if all you got out of Sunday was a pair of shoes, you missed the boat, friend. Amen. You say, well, I got a brand new dress. Well, hallelujah. But if that's the only reason you're here is to parade, then you missed the boat. I'm telling you this morning, we didn't come to see the carpet. We didn't come to see the shed. We didn't come to see the pastor. We didn't come to see each other. Oh, but we would see Jesus. Amen. I'm telling you, when he shows up, he makes everything good. He makes everything wonderful. He makes everything precious. I'm telling you, I just feel blessed because he is here this morning. That's what makes church church, isn't it? I'm telling you in a sermon, it's not an outline, it's not intellect and I think we ought to study and we ought to know everything we can about this book and we ought to be prepared when we preach, amen? I'm gonna tell you it's gonna take more than knowledge and information and an outline and intellect. It's gonna take the moving of the sweet spirit of God sweeping across our heart and when he shows up, he makes it rich and he makes it real. It's all about his majesty. Isn't that right? I thank God for singers who can sing. God's given them talent and ability to sing. But I'm going to tell you something. I've heard pretty singing. And then I've heard spirit filled singing. You know what I'm talking about? I admonish every singer in this church get as full of God as you can and as humble as you can be and ask God to touch your singing. Don't ever sing and, 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 and lean on your ability. Lean on his ability. And when the tears flow and the voice begins to quiver and the mascara runs, or, or, and that's on women, not on men. Somebody say amen. And uh, I'm telling you, uh, and it just it just looks like it's a big old mess of a wreck. Uh, but you feel something swelling up in your soul, uh, and it overtakes your vocal cords. Uh, it overtakes your spirit. Uh, I say hallelujah, and it gets so good you forget the words. Uh, I say sing on, hallelujah. I say carry on. Uh, we'll not be embarrassed. Uh, we'll not hold our head down uh, and say they quit singing or they messed up that. That verse, I want to say how in the world you going to mess something up when God gets in the middle of it, amen. I'm saying that's what we need. Don't lose sight of his majesty, amen. I was preaching in a church one time. I want to tell you something. I wasn't them and they wasn't me. And I'm glad they wasn't me. <laughs> but we went together like, uh, I don't know. We went together like oil and water, I reckon. I, after Monday night, I thought, what in the world am I even doing in this place? And, uh, and I went back Tuesday night and I said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to take it down about three notches tonight and teach a little lesson because that's about all they want. And I'll just kind of take it down a few notches. The only problem with that was, man, I'm telling you, it was, it, God started blessing. I started out teaching Sunday schools, what I was doing. I just, you know, I'm not going to move. I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to kind of teach, preach, you know. And, and, and I'm going to tell you, the word of God's good, isn't it? 
I'm going to tell you, God filled my soul up. And I, I kind of got, you ever got the I don't give a rips? <laughs> the I don't cares. I thought to myself, this may be my last sermon. It may be my last trip back, and it was, amen. But I'll tell you one thing. I don't know if they enjoyed any of it, but I had the time of my life uh, the rest of the week. Uh, I thought I can't help it, amen. Uh, It's only one way for me to preach, uh, and it's the way God called me to preach. Uh, I can't be somebody else, uh, and somebody else can't be me, and God don't want me to be them or them to try to be me. Uh, I can just be who God made me, uh, but it's not about me, amen. It's about when he shows up. I'll tell you, if I can catch a glimpse of God in that sermon, that's what helps us all. Hallelujah tonight, this morning. His majesty, don't miss his majesty. Unbelief caused them to miss that. It caused them to miss his motive. Look what the Bible said in verse 57. And they were offended in him. But Jesus saith unto them, a prophet's not without honor, save in his own country and in his own house. The problem was because they had the wrong motive, they assumed he had the wrong motive. All he was trying to do was help them. He was a prophet. He was more than a prophet. But his ministry on earth was that of a prophet. Jesus preached to them because he was from where they they had knew him from the time they was born. They saw his boyhood, they saw him grow up, they were offended. I'll stop and say this. You never know who God's going to use. Don't belittle those around you. I know we would never make fun of them in that sense, but we can belittle each other by by overlooking what God can do in their life. God, God raises up who he wants to, when he wants to, how he wants to. He... He, he, he takes men of all different walks of life and gives them ministries that's beyond them, ministries that is beyond their capability, and he uses them. The worst thing you can do as a preacher is try to plan your ministry out. Is try to say, well, I want to be this or I want to be that. Just say, I want to be, God, what you want me to be. And be satisfied with whatever that is because that's all you really can be. Today you may, be, you may be someone sitting here and say, well, preacher, do you think God could, could use my, my, my three-year-old, my four-year-old? My, God has great plans for them this morning. Don't waste their adolescent and teenage years. Don't, spend, don't, don't get them so involved in everything else that they, the spiritual things go to the back burner. It's the greatest mistake any parent can make. Is because that we, we want them to be this. There's parents who wanted their children to be superstars, athletes. There's parents who, who wanted their children to be successful. They want them to have a great business and a great career. It may be the will of God for some people uh, to have a great business, a great career. But I'll tell you, you don't really know that. I never really knew what the will of God was for my children growing up. And I never told anybody what I thought the will of God was for their life. You say, what did you do? I just prayed and put them in and she just prayed. And we put them in the hands of God. And we said, God, whatever it is that you will for their life, 
whatever you want for their life uh, every day. That was our prayer. God, use them well, how you see fit. Only you know, Lord, what's best for them. I'm simply saying this this morning. Uh, our motives can be right, uh, but we can still miss the will of God. Uh, God has a plan. God has a will. But you give your children to the Lord uh, and don't get them off in things. Uh, my friend, that, uh, that dwarfs what God may want in their life. Uh, God will do and can do great things if you give them to him. That's why it's so important you don't be a lazy parent, that you don't be lazy when it comes to church. That's why it's so important you don't lay out a church, somebody say amen. I'm talking about people sick. That's why it's so important when they're coming up the house of God, you bring them to Sunday school and don't be late for Sunday school, be on time for Sunday school. Somebody say amen right there. If you're late for Sunday school, they won't come at all when they get married. You be, you be faithful. You say, well, I have a hard time getting up. Go to bed early. You can get up. Amen. Go sleep in the car if you have to. Amen. Take a shower and put your clothes on the night before and get in the car. Amen. Drive to the church. Sit out here at the parking lot. I'll wake you up. Praise God. Amen. When it's time to go to Sunday school, if you got to sleep, nobody needs to sleep till 9.30 anyway. Amen. Unless you've been up till 5 o'clock and then I'm still not sure. I'm just simply telling you this. Uh, be faithful. Be in the house of God. Bring your children. You don't know what God may be doing even right now in this service. Uh, you say it's four minutes till 12. Who gives a rip? Amen. Uh, God may be doing something in their life right now and in their heart that's life changing. Don't miss the motive. I'm telling you, when we come and we say, dear God, my only motive is for you to do something eternal in our life. He'll help you, amen. Unbelief will cause us. I've watched through the Bible college. This is what I've seen. I've seen the preachers come in that thought they had a lot to offer. We've graduated about 40. We need to count them, I don't know, 35 to 40. I've seen preachers come in that thought they had a lot to offer. They never make it. And the ones that come in, one of them said to me one day, he said, preacher, he said, can you tell me anything to help my ministry? I said, yeah, I said, shave that mess off your face. He said, he said, are you against beards? I said, no, I'm against that one. He said, you're serious. I said, it's a blood clot. I said, clean up. He said, well, that's hard. If he can't handle that, he don't need to be in a ministry, friend. That's nothing. And I've seen him, I've seen that boy get broken. <laughs> and I've seen God use the ones he uses is the ones that say, I, I probably will never be anything for God. I, I'll probably never do anything for God. Oh, you're a prime candidate, if that's sincere. I'm going to tell you, God called me to preach. I didn't, have a, I didn't have a shirt and tie. I didn't have a suit. I remember saying to God on that Sunday night, I said, Lord, I, I, I can't preach. I don't, have a, I don't have a shirt and tie to preach. I'm going to tell you, by Friday of that next week, I announced my call to preach. By Friday of next week, my granddaddy, who was lost at the time, been in the Navy all of his life, hard against God, wouldn't let anybody even witness to him. My preacher would come over and witness to him. He'd say, there's a door. I don't want to talk to you about it. I feared telling him more about the call to preach than anybody. I told him God called me to preach. and He's sitting in, that chair, in the chair in the living room. He never even said anything. I walked out of that room. 
by Friday, he picked me up from school that Friday. We started down the road. <laughs> he said, so you're going to be a preacher. And I thought, oh, Lord, here it comes. I said, yes, sir. I said, I am a preacher. He said, well, if you're going to be a preacher, he said, I reckon you got to have a jacket and a tie and a shirt and some shoes. <laughs> He took me over to J.C. Penney's and said, go get whatever you want. Gave my grandma a heart attack because I don't, have, no, I don't know how much money I spent. <laughs> and the first jacket and tie and pants and shoes and socks that I ever put on as a man of God was from my granddaddy who was lost. You say, what are you saying? I'm saying if you'll believe God, God will use anybody. God will use anything. There's no obstacle. I'm telling you this morning, there's nothing to fear. There's nothing to stand in your way. You say, I'm not a preacher. No, but I'm telling you, if you want to be a godly daddy, a godly mother, if you want to be a young person that wants to live for God, if you want God to do something in your life, all you got to do is step out in faith and say, God, I'm trusting you to do what I cannot do. I'm trusting you to make a way when it looks like there is no way. God wants you to trust him above all and everything else. Lastly, I want to say, because of this sin of unbelief, they missed out on his miracles. The Bible says that he did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. I want you to notice that verse real closely. He did not many mighty works. If he didn't do many mighty works because of unbelief, then that tells me he must have wanted to do many mighty works. Jesus had a plan for this crowd. They were the ones that had watched him grow up. If there would have been any place on earth he would have done more, it would have been for them. But unbelief stood in the way. 